0: the dish that's fit to air cindy adams is on 77 wabc
1: i am now about to speak to my newly best friend her name is rochelle boone she is an on-air anchor at new york one and she has a very serious tough story to tell us and i love her listen and are you there rochelle I am here thank you so much for that great introduction now tell us let's start from the beginning where are you from what's your home where did you start
0: I actually started uh, I'm from the island of Jamaica believe it or not I was not born in the US but I came here as a little girl Um, At 11 years old, I moved to the Bronx with my family, my mother and my stepfather, and I've been living in New York for a long, long, long time.
1: Okay, when you came here, what did the family do? What did you do?
0: Well, when we first got here... Uh, My mom was a nurse's aide and my dad was a truck driver. It's that, you know, typical immigrant story where, you know, you want a better life for your family. And, uh, you know, where we were living in Kingston, Jamaica, it wasn't completely horrible, but it wasn't the best opportunities there. And so my mom wanted to make sure that my brother and I at the time uh, had a great opportunity. So we came here. And when we came here, you know, I went to school here, but I also worked, you know, Back then, and I'm sure a lot of immigrant families still do it. Everybody has to do it. You know, we all chipped in. And so, you know, I I do a lot of stuff. I worked at the local supermarket. I had a bike route, a paper route, uh, riding my bicycle, delivering paper. And uh, it was great. You know, I learned a lot about how I could contribute financially to the family.
1: Okay. Where did you live?
0: Oh, I lived in quite a few places. So I lived uh, in Wakefield in the Bronx. That was the first place I moved to. And I got to tell you, there are times when I'll drive by that house. And sometimes I just go there to look at where I started and it's uh, it's right across from Montefiore Wakefield at 233rd Street and Carpenter Avenue. And I, I love that I got my start there. And then we uh, moved it over to Radcliffe and Burke Avenue. And then we moved to the valley across from Co-op City. And that's actually where I had my paper route. And that, believe it or not, is actually where I made the most money. I don't want to say which paper I was working for, but I did pretty well. And so... I just, you know, made a lot of money to help myself pay for prom, to pay for graduation stuff. And so, you know, it it took a lot of pressure off the family. And then I went on to Baruch College to study accounting. And then, you know, of course, I'm a journalist now. I didn't actually use that accounting degree, but it was a great experience. It really was.
1: Okay. Don't not being paid by the newspaper, because if they hear you made more money than I do, it's going to be a problem here. Okay, so then you got married. Tell us about him.
0: Oh, my husband. Oh, he's such a sweetheart. He's probably one of the kindest, nicest person I've ever met in my life. And we met here at New York One. Um, He was doing audio at the time, and um, I saw him in the control room, and I thought, this guy's such a nice guy. And I'll tell you a quick story. You know, you don't always want to try and date somebody at work. You know, that's often a no-no. So I wanted to get to know him. So I threw this party at my apartment in Astoria, Queens, and he was the only one who wasn't in on it. I invited all my friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I said, we have to vet this guy because I really like this guy. And everybody's like, why are you so head over heels? I said, I don't know. There's something about him that's great. And I I was right. He is a great, great man. And so we started dating. The rest is history, really. We um, moved in together six months later, got engaged six months after that, got married the following year. And now we've been married almost 20 years. And we have two boys, a nine and and an 11-year-old.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Let's get off how wonderful your husband is, and let's get to <laughs> important things. How did you get your behind over to Channel 1?
0: Oh, that's a good question. So, you know, I um, so I was in accounting, right, at Baruch College, and in my senior year of college, I realized I really didn't want to be an accountant. And that is actually a really late time to discover that. But... Um, you know i 'd taken an internship at the Department of Justice, and I actually was uh, on my way to having a job out of school but i i I also realized that i 'm a lot of fun I wanted to have a good old time i didn 't want to just audit you know bad guys so Um, I decided that I was going to try and get my own internship. I don't know if you could do that these days, but I literally called around to all the stations that I could look up. And finally um, CNBC said, yeah, why don't you come in for an interview? And so I went in for the interview. I got the internship. And a couple months in, they were like, "Ah, uh, we need some paperwork from your school on this. And I went, oh, uh uh-oh. (laughs) And so so, uh, a professor helped me out with that And I just worked my butt off That last, uh, you know, six months of college I just worked really hard And they hired me out of school And from there I worked behind the scenes at CNN And then from there I sent a tape Back then when they still used tape Okay. Okay, 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 okay,
1: okay I want everyone to know that the reason for this whole story Is because it goes into a very long story Now you have to tell me, you got on to Channel One as a reporter, as a street reporter, and then they put you on to be an actual on-air reporter. Now Uh tell me, what happened and when?
0: So back uh, in 2002... uh, You know, we're now Spectrum News, New York One. But back then, they were looking for a Queens reporter, and I lived in Queens at the time. So that was a big leg up for me, and I knew Queens very, very, very well. Even though I grew up in the Bronx, I moved to Queens when I was at Baruch College. So, um, And then I was always a hustler, always a hustler. You ask me to do something, I'm going to tell you I can do it. And so and if I don't know how to do it, I'll figure it out and make sure I get it done right. So they um, liked that in me. And the news director at the time, Peter Landis, said, you know what, I think I'm going to give you a shot. And I was just back then we had. (laughs) Okay, okay. I
1: know all that. I want to know what happened to you. We all began to love you on the air. But yeah. what happened that all of a sudden you were no longer on the air, which is the point of this interview?
0: That is true. And I'm so glad you're doing this because. Last Go ahead.
1: Ju- Tell us the story.
0: Yeah. Last June, on June 14th, I discovered that I had pancreatic cancer. And it was just the most devastating news that I have ever gotten in my life. That aside from the death of my mother, which occurred just a few months before that, she died from COVID. So it was just, it was unbelievable, Cindy. I I can't tell you how difficult it is to hear a doctor say to you, you have cancer. And you'll hear people talk about how devastating it is, but until you live it, it's like, You know, I went to the emergency room because I was feeling what I thought was stomach pains, but it was really deep inside my body, in my abdomen, and it would come and it would go, and I would take, uh, you know, antacids, and I would feel better, and I had a back pain and a lot of fatigue, and I just kept saying, something isn't right. And I kept going to my doctor, and I said, you know, I don't know what, what it is, but I just feel off. My body is off, and something isn't right. And he said, you know, you know, maybe try changing your diet and doing some exercise. And I was like, well, geez, I could have come up with that on my own. And I just wouldn't let it go. And so on June fourteenth at two o'clock in the morning, I said to my husband, please don't go to work today. I said I need you to take me to the emergency room. And he did, and they did a CAT scan, and then the doctor came back and said, uh, Mrs. Boone, you cannot leave the hospital. And I said, why not? And he sat down, he held my hand, and he says, you have a huge tumor on your pancreas. And I said, as in pancreatic cancer, I'm going to die? And the floodgates opened, Cindy, I just started to cry. And in that moment, I thought I was going to die. But here I am.
1: Okay, and then they put you in an ambulance, didn't they?
0: Yeah, so at that first hospital... Um, It became clear that to me that they were not equipped to handle something like this. The emergency room was great. But once I got admitted, you know, they said I needed to have surgery right away. They were going to transfer me to another hospital that didn't specialize in cancer or this type of cancer. So I said, you know, I need to get to Sloan Kettering. And so eventually I did get to Sloan and I was transferred there in an ambulance. Yeah.
1: What do you do? Tell me. For people who are listening, what do you do? How do you combat that kind of terror? Do you scream? Do you pray? What do you do?
0: I tell you, I do all of the above. In the beginning, there was a lot of screaming and there were a lot of tears, a lot of tears, because at the time, my sons were only 10 and 8, and I kept thinking, Oh, gosh, they're going to have to tell people when they grow up, I lost my mom at an early age. She died of cancer. I started planning my funeral in my head. And then, you know, about a month later in July, when I got to chemo, there was something in me that felt so defiant. And I'm a woman of faith, and I prayed a lot. And right before chemo, I, I heard a voice that just said, let go and let God and that was all I needed and I went in there like I don't care what the statistics say I don't care what anybody says I am going to beat this I am going do you to
1: really believe that you actually heard a voice I know about that but I didn't hear anyone of our ilk say that they actually heard a voice
0: yeah I did you know I really did i sat there quietly by myself And I heard it. And in that moment, I felt peace, to be honest. And I still carry that peace with me. And I'm glad I did, because my whole attitude changed. And it went from, oh, my goodness, I'm going to die. to No, I'm not going to die. And no, I'm not going to be depressed about this. And no, I'm not going to walk around moping. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to live. And every day that I wake up, is going to be a win. And so I carried that attitude. So when I went to chemo, I wore, like, shocking pink pants. I wore red outfits. I wore, you know, black and white prints. You know, I wasn't going to go in there just moping and thinking I'm not going to make it. And you know what? If I didn't make it, that would have been okay, too, because I would have given it all my all. But my okay. plan was to make it.
1: What about the co-workers? You we were off. How did your bosses feel? How did your, your reporter friends feel at New York One?
0: Oh, you know, th- there was a lot of heartbreak for me and I could see it and I could feel it. And they all rallied around me. And when my energy changed, their energy changed as well. And they, my bosses here have been incredible, incredible. Mike Baer, who's the head of the news division, came and sat with me for chemo. You know, Allison Hellman. I mean, they were great. You know, my the anchors here have been great. The reporters have been great. And so and they've given up their time to either talk to me or visit me or cook for me or clean for me. It's incredible. I, I just I I can't tell you how much I love them
1: for that. What is the situation now? Can you eat, drink? What? what?
0: Um, eating is quite tough. That is the honest truth, because I had what you call the Whipple surgery, and it is a massive surgery that rearranges a lot of organs and messes with your digestive system. But um, I can eat. As a matter of fact, the last time I saw you, I ate a great tuna fish sandwich. I haven't had tuna fish in a while, so now I'm, I'm hooked again. Um,
1: but you didn't and, eat the whole sandwich.
0: No, I did not. I can only eat um, uh, as much as the size of the palm of my hand. And I have to eat about six times per day, as as opposed to eating three large meals. Um, And so
1: it's okay. And what about drinking?
0: Okay, well, yeah, now I like a little sip every now and then. In the oh, yes,
1: mostly now. Okay, so but you're not (laughs) supposed to drink when you're taking medication.
0: No, no. And when I'm taking medication, I don't. But my doctor has cleared it. And I was kidding before, you know, I may have a glass of wine. Like when I saw you last time, it was a special occasion. I was sitting with the legend. I had to have a little bit of wine. But um, I haven't had anything to drink since then. So my doctors are very clear on that. Like I, you know, they know when I can drink and how often I can. And I do follow all the rules on that.
1: Now, how much weight did you lose? Because when you were originally on television, you had a lot of nice little chunkies. What about <laughs> <laughs> you had them in every place we're supposed yes. to have them? And you had a little extra that we don't need. So yeah. what, what do you do now about clothes? Did you lose weight? Of course you lost weight.
0: Uh, yeah, I lost a ton of weight. And you know, I love myself regardless, whether I'm heavy, whether I'm, you know, I lose a little bit or a lot. Um, but I've lost a lot. I've lost about 50 pounds and that's common, um, for a lot of people with cancer. And because I'm not eating in the same way that I did before, it's just very different. And it's, the journey has been tough between chemo and surgery. So now I am very much enjoying buying a new wardrobe. I am very much enjoying, um, You know, looking at new cute outfits and uh, the stuff that I like, I just, you know, grab it off the rack and go. So, you know, that's one of the the beauties of this is that, you know, everything has a silver lining. What about the
1: children? What about your husband and the children? How did you handle the kids?
0: You know, I was very honest with them. Very, very honest from the beginning. And everything that happened, everything the doctor shared, I shared with them. And so I wanted to do that on purpose so they wouldn't feel a need to uh, Google anything or feel like we weren't being truthful with them. And that served us well. So when we told them what was happening, of course, they were fearful in the beginning. But as we got better and better news, as you know, we went along, they understood that it wasn't a lie, and I was getting better. And to be honest, I'll tell you this, Cindy. I spoke to my oncologist two days ago. I did a screening, and um, there are there are no signs of reoccurrence. They cut out the cancer in October, and I did a scan in December and another one in February. And so far, so good. And I am over the moon because as as, as before, we would
1: say, Mazel Tov. Now tell me yes. when. Does your 50 pound less behind go into New York one on television again?
0: I knew you were going to get back to that. My well, goal, yeah. <laughs> my goal is to get back in March and, um, you know, and I'm working on that. I still have one more round of chemo to go. So it will depend on how I respond to that. But my goal is to get back in March, to get back on TV and just be amazing because I feel amazing.
1: I think you're terrific. But you're now going to have to have a new wardrobe because your (laughs) tops and your bottoms actually (laughs) stuck out beautifully in those clothes you had before, honey.
0: Yes, you you talk. Listen, I've always been a little busty. I've been that way since I was a kid. And so I'm not as busty as I, I was before. What but, about
1: your behind? Is that out there, too? Nah, I lost some of that, too. But that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> I'm grateful to speak to you. I can't wait until you're back. And I think you should bless the people you work for, that they understood that you're as terrific as you are.
0: Oh, thank you very much. I feel very fortunate to have the station and the people I work with behind me. They've been terrific, just terrific.
1: Muzzle tough and keep in touch, sweetie. All right,
0: we'll do. Thank you,
1: Cindy. Okay, Rochelle. Bye.
0: Bye.